I'm in the series called Zephyr. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 13. You know, the word Zephyr actually means a burst of wind. And when you study the Bible, you'll find that when the Spirit of God began to move in the Bible, it came in sudden moments when people didn't expect it. And a lot of times that's what happens when, you know, you're outside and you feel a breeze of wind blow upon you. It's a sudden burst and it's emblematic of the way the Holy Spirit moves. Now we're asking God for a fresh wind to blow in our personal lives. We need it in our city, in our nation. We need it so badly in the world today. And I just believe the conditions are ripe for God to do something new and fresh in your life. Do you want him to do something fresh? Because I think we're ripe for it. I want to read Acts 13. I'm going to start in verse number one. And I want to read just the first three verses of this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to pray. It says, Now in the church that was in Antioch, there was certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we just thank you for the scriptures. <laughs> and I pray, Lord, this would be a word in season. I pray this would be a word that sticks with us for many, many days, not just something that we hear on a Sunday morning, but something that we could remember in days and weeks ahead, something that people could apply in their own lives in personal ways. We just thank you for the scriptures as we study them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Now, um, as you saw in our announcements, we're hosting a, a corporate time here, prayer and fasting, coming up this week. And the thing I've discovered about fasting is there is never a convenient time to fast. Did you know that? <laughs> and uh, I remember, you know, when I was about 20, I was fasting uh, at my friend Derek's house in Kansas City. I was praying about coming back here to start a church. And I don't know what it was, man. You know, I'm, I'm fasting, and I was taking a little nap. So I got up, and I got that light-headed fasting feeling. You ever had that? And uh, I fell out and knocked over his ironing board, made the biggest noise, scratched my back. And, you know, Derek being Derek, like, he's in his basement working. If you know Derek, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He was just kind of working away. I came down there about a half hour later, and he said, uh, did you hear that noise? And I said, yeah, man, that was me. And he said, what happened? And I said, man, I'm on this fast. And I'm telling you, an angel came into the room and ministered. And he, he stopped and he was like, really? I said, no, man, I got lightheaded. I passed out on your ironing board. You're going to have to get a new one. <laughs> but fasting is one of those things, man, that people, people do get, like they get scared about it. So we're calling for a corporate time of prayer and fasting this week because I would think God, I think it's a season for us. And I have an anticipation in my heart about it. Something is stirring deeply within me because, you know, it is a corporate thing. What that means is you're invited to do it with us as the leadership. I'm doing it because I feel God stirring me. I feel him really breathing on me. That's how fasts work many times. You got to be led by the spirit. So I want to walk through this passage of scripture and I want to highlight four primary reasons to fast. As I said, there's never a convenient time to fast. Jesus did not say, if you fast. Jesus said, when you fast. And someone told me last week that I was telling them I'm going to preach on fasting, and they said they don't ever hear messages on fasting. So this will be something I hope that sticks with us. And it, it, it's, it, you know, fasting is in the scriptures. Now, I did look up the word fast. And what fasting means in the most literal sense 
is to shut your mouth from food. That was written in the Greek lexicon by a German theologian who was studying the word. It's the idea of abstaining from food. And in today's culture, because we've got slackers everywhere, people try to find all kinds of cute and funny ways to get out of not eating. <laughs> so they'll, they'll say, well, I'm fasting from TV, which is great. That's probably a wise thing to do. Or fasting from social media. I would give you, that's a good fast to go. Fasting from video games, that's good. You know? Sometimes people might get a little you know, confident with it. They might even fast from donuts and sugar. <laughs> people get, you know, uh, they, if they want to fast, they think about going on the Daniel fast. That's from the book of Daniel. He ate vegetables and, uh, for 21 days. But I, I would highlight that in the Daniel fast, that was really never something that was replicated. It was something Daniel did one time for him. So when we talk about fasting, the primary idea is in not eating. Now, I, I knew, know how challenging that is if you've got a job that's physical labor and you know, there's, that makes things challenging and you've got to be smart about it and find ways to do it. Um, you know, sometimes if you have health issues, it's not something you can do. But when we talk about biblical fasting, we're talking about primarily abstaining from food for a certain portion of time. You know, you, you can have liquids that accompany it. I like to fast with a little five-hour energy, a little half of one, give me a little half a shot of that because it will help keep me awake so that I don't pass out on falling on other people's ironing boards. <laughs> and I found, you know, I've done fasting enough to where I have a rhythm that works for me. I'll put it on a calendar, and, and I, I like to fast for two or three days when I do it. That seems to work really well. You know, I've never had like a 40-day fast. Some people do that. I think the most I fasted one time was eight or 10 days. I was fasting with Pastor David. He fell asleep in a meeting one time, and his face had that carpet mesh all over it for a good half hour. <laughs> I had a kick out of that. <laughs> Um, I like to fast when it's warm. I was in Florida and all the pastors were like, oh, we're doing the 21 days of the year fast in January. I said, have you ever shoveled a foot of snow where you're drinking chicken broth? I mean, it's no joke, man. <laughs> so I like to fast when the weather is warmer. That, that just works well for me. And um, so I'm fasting this week and I would love to have you join me. If you could give me a day, half a day. Hey, if you can't fast and you can come pray, We'll take it because we just had answers to prayer. Isn't that right, Gene? I was praying with this man last week on the couch. Well, I prayed over your heart. Do you remember that? And, and, I, and so, you know, he had a heart attack. God brought him through. I don't know if it was my prayer that brought you through or the Sandy's hamburger that created the heart attack. <laughs> We're here. And my friend Jerry over there, do you remember that? How many weeks ago we prayed for you to have a house situation? And in the hottest housing market in America, God got you a better deal. Yeah, you better believe prayer works. I get me fired up. Because when we talk about fasting, when they fasted in the Bible, it was always accompanied by prayer. Fasting and prayer go together. So I'm just going to walk you through the passage here and highlight from some primary reasons to fast. And I want to start here in Acts 13 verse 1. It says, in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Actually, that would be better translated as prophetic teachers. I was just with a guy named Jerry Seville this last week. That was a lot of fun. And that's something that you know, he just taught from uh, the scriptures. It was a wonderful time. Here's the men that were with Paul. Barnabas, who was his traveling companion. Simeon, who was called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene, that's the same town that Simon of Cyrene was from. He carried Jesus' cross. That's a town in Africa, and scholars unanimously agree this man was probably a black man. 
It says that Menean was there who was a well-connected man. He'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, so he had political influence. And there was this man, Saul, who'd later become the Apostle Paul. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Somebody say, and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them to do. The first primary reason why fasting is so effective is for direction. These guys gathered together with the elders who were at that church, and they were seeking the Lord and asking him about what the next steps they should take were. And of course, Saul, who's kind of one of the central characters in Acts, was here. Now, Paul who wrote three-fifths of the New Testament in terms of the, the books of the Bible that he wrote, he didn't say a whole lot about fasting. He did practice fasting. He did it here. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he said that he was in fastings, plural, which indicates that it was a habitual thing in his life. So he doesn't give us doctrine or thought much about it, but we can see that fasting is something that provides us with a sense of direction. And it, it's such a powerful thing. What I find interesting is that the Bible does not go into great detail about how the Holy Spirit said, separate to me from Barnabas and Paul. Like, like it doesn't say how that happened. We just would assume and read into the scripture, uh, and scholars tend to agree that it was the inward witness or a still small voice accompanied with these men, the company of uh, men to confirm what the Spirit of the Lord was saying that they knew Paul and Barnabas should go on a missionary journey. And, and so they were getting direction from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what happens when you're fasting. When you go on a fast, your body and your mind get tired because they're not being fed food. And what happens is your spirit man, that's the inward part of you, it, it sort of rises to the forefront. And what your spirit man is like is it's like a radio receiver. And what fasting is, is fine-tuning the frequency dial so that you can really hear clearly what God is saying in situations. And this is a tremendous way for you to get direction and hear from God. Uh, fasting creates clarity. I think that clarity is probably one of the greatest commodities in the kingdom of God. And fasting is one of those 100% ways that is going to help you really hear from God, especially if you've got decisions to make. Now, I don't make big decisions without going on a fast. And I've had a history of doing that. And, it, and, and I, I feel like, you know, God's helped me make wise decisions. But a lot of times it's because I will take the time to seek the Lord. Sometimes when I'm going into a fast, I have a preconceived idea of what I think God might be leading me to do. And on the fast, that will be confirmed. Other times I really don't have a sense of direction. And in the middle of the fast, God might confirm something to me. And sometimes, you know, I, I just kind of go into it nothing happens. This happens a lot, actually, on fasting. I don't get anything. But after the fast, things get very clear and things line up. And that's just sometimes the way it works with fasting. And, you know, I can think about some of these big decisions that I've made at various moments in life. I, I was, you know, a student uh, at Oral Roberts University, and I was praying about which decision to make. My dad had just had a stroke, and I wasn't sure if I needed to be home or what to do. And I prayed and fasted. And the thing I remember about that fast is my mom told me to drink a bunch of V8 juice with the water, which was terrible advice, mom, terrible advice. I mean, I, <laughs> I like to drink water in a fast and maybe some juice, but that V8 did me in. <laughs> 
But I felt like the Lord did give me direction on that. And, uh, you know, when I was starting the church at Derek's house, before we came up here, we fasted and prayed. Uh, I remember that we were fasting and praying about getting a building. And a piece of property came up down the street after prayer and fasting. We decided to buy that property. And when we could not get the thing built on there, we prayed and fasted sometime later and sold the property and paid this place off. Glory to God. And I I just thank the Lord for his direct ability to to lead you. Uh, One of the strongest impressions I had was when it came to having children. I I was pretty happy with two kids. Two is manageable. I have two arms. That's one for each kid. And my wife started getting this itch for number three. And I thought, oh, I told you when we were dating, I wanted two. I I started praying because I felt the Lord impressing me. I prayed, I fasted. God turned my heart. Listen, you cannot win a wrestling match with God. I mean, if you're arguing with him, he's going to get his way if your heart is open. And I'm so happy I had that third kid. I love Abigail. And I'm just grateful because God, what he did is, is he turned my heart. And it came through fasting. Now, you might be in a situation today where you're needing direction. You might not know what to do. What are the next steps you got to take? What, what's around the corner? What, what, what lies ahead? And, and there's big decisions with families or businesses or jobs. And you got to know what to do. And fasting is one of those things that really helps you get a sense of direction. Now, here's the second reason we should fast. And I'm staying here in verse 2. It says that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, They ministered and fasted. This is when the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. Now, it's interesting words here. They ministered and fasted, and that's when God said, separate them to me. So the second thing we would say about fasting and and what it accomplishes is it's for consecration. First of all, it's a sense of direction. But secondly, it is for consecration in your life, which is an act of worship. That's what fasting can be, an act of worship. It's a time when you separate yourself unto the Lord. And that's what Paul's doing for work here. But sometimes fasting is just ministering to him, being alone with him, seeking him in an intense devotion. Now, this is what Jesus did in the wilderness for 40 days. He went alone in the wilderness, and he was seeking God and being alone with God in preparation for his ministry. Sometimes the situations on the ground require that you separate yourself from certain opportunities and situations. Sometimes you got to get away from people. Because, you know, that, that's people, they can be burdens to you, they can pull on you. When, when I am seeking the Lord and a fast, Elizabeth has been gracious enough, if I tell her, hey, I feel like I need to be down at the church a little more and pray more, she's been gracious like that. And sometimes it's just, you know, tuning out people. Sometimes you got to separate yourself from entertainment and pleasure. You know, that means that you're not eating things that you would, would always want to eat or you're, you're not indulging yourself with, you know, opportunities to entertain and get lazy and veg on the couch. You're consecrating yourself, time alone with the Lord. Uh, sometimes it's a separation from distractions. And aren't distractions so easy in this day and age? You're just a few inches away from your nose on the phone. And if you just turn that phone off and and turn off the television and just tune out for a little bit and seek the Lord. That's what these guys were doing. They were consecrating themselves to the Lord. When you separate yourself to the Lord, that's where you can hear his voice and rekindle a fire on the inside of you. I was reading about a man named Rory McElroy, who's a golfer. 
And I think my friend Andrew actually knows Rory. Rory's a famous golfer. And Rory, he said that he had been golfing too much and was burned out. Now, I didn't know that was possible. Like, you might think you could golf and that'd be great. But he said, I, I just need to, to take a break. I'm, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm pushing myself too hard. This is why I feel excited about this fast, because I've been working on my house all summer. And, and I feel a little overwhelmed and daunted by some things. And, and so I, I'm excited about just getting along with God and seeking Him and just being alone with Him so I can escape some pressures and some problems and, 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 and just spend time alone with Him. When you fast, it's sort of like sharpening the axe. You heard the old story of a man who was chopping wood and he kept chopping and chopping and chopping and he noticed the guy next to him had an axe and he'd stop and talk to him and keep working. And by the end of the day, the guy who'd stop and relax a little bit actually chopped more wood than the guy who was chopping the whole day. And he asked him what his secret was. And he said he just kept his ax sharp. The sharper you keep your ax, the less work you'll do. And what fasting does is it's just keeping that ax sharp. It's keeping your spirit in a place where it's strong and can hear from God. You know, Jesus had no spiritual weaknesses. I mean, he wasn't weak in any area. That's not the case with you and me. And Jesus, because of that, you know, he, he didn't need to detoxify himself. Like, like we, he fasted once at the beginning of his ministry. You and I, though, we, we need to detoxify ourselves so our spirit, soul, and body can kind of get into a place of cleansing and clarity. And man, it does an incredible thing to just spend some time alone with God. It's got many health benefits for you. It, it, you know, sometimes people will complain about fasting because they'll get a headache. And what that actually is is probably sugar or other toxins that are built up in your body. But when you fast and you give your body a chance to reset itself, it, it, it creates a place where you, your whole spirit, soul, and body are healthier from it. It's fine-tuning your body. Now, you might be in a season where it's time to consecrate some things. That's how I felt in the season I'm in. I, I feel like I've been going, 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 and I'm looking forward to setting aside time to seek the Lord. Now, Let's talk about a third thing. Jump down to verse number six. Here, here's a third reason. It says that uh, they'd gone through the island to Paphos. Paul and Barnabas were on this missionary journey, and they on the island of Cyprus, they came to a town called Paphos. And it says they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jewish man who, it says his name was Bar-Jesus. And it says he was with the proconsul. That's the governor. He's with the governor, a man named Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Let me just point out, I think it's interesting, a demonically inspired individual was trying to influence the governor of the island, even though the man was intelligent. And it kind of reminds me of modern day politicians. Whether they're right or left, Republicans or Democrats, they can be, most of them aren't worth their sauce, but some of them are intelligent. But it seems like demons have a really interesting way of trying to influence them. That, that's just a side thought. Now, here, here's the second thing that we could say here, or third thing about it. And that has to do with protection. It, it, look, look at verse number eight. Elemas the sorcerer. That, that's, that's who this man was. Elemas the sorcerer, whose name is translated that. It says he withstood him. Everyone say withstood him. Seeking to turn the proconsul away from the truth. Withstood. That's a word that means direct opposition. And the third thing I'd say about fasting that helps is that 
it helps protect you in certain situations. So this, this, this word opposition, it really means a resistance. There's a, a resistance, a spiritual resistance that Paul was facing. And the stronghold was in the government. I find that to be just so profound. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Paul is writing about Janus and Jambres, who were two magicians who withstood or resisted Moses. You remember when Moses put his rod down and it became a snake and the other magicians did that. The New Testament records their names, Janus and Jambres. They withstood him. They resisted him. Uh, this is the word that's used in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is you know, accusing the Pharisees. And he said, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that one of the main indications of religiosity is it will resist the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God starts moving, people feel uncomfortable or angry. That's an indication of religiousness. Now, Stephen got himself stoned for doing that. I mean, that, 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 that resistance, that opposition actually got, got him killed. In Paul's case, when it says that he withstood him, it's describing probably a public confrontation. Like they're out in the open square having a conflict, but Paul is protected in this case. You know, protection comes when you fast. And I think it's interesting in verse 3, it says, having fasted and prayed, they went on a journey. So when they came to the end of that, the result of fasting was that they were protected from demonic opposition. This is what happened to a man named Ezra. Ezra 8, verse 21. Ezra was a scribe, and he wanted to go back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the, the temple and what was taking place. And, and he was ashamed to ask the king for an escort from Persia to Jerusalem. Instead, he fasted and asked God to protect him from thieves and trouble along the way. And God did. This is what happened to Queen Esther. Mordecai, her uncle, came and said, they're going to kill the Jewish people, and you've got to do something. And Esther said, I'm going to fast and pray. I will go to the king, which if she went uninvited, she could die. And she said, if I perish, I perish. But it was fasting that protected her in that moment. Fasting brings spiritual protection when you're faced with demonic opposition, when, when there's spiritual pitfalls in your way. This is, I remember before I went to India, I did fast substantially because, you know, going to India was, was an incredible thing. I mean, they have so many idols. And I never did feel scared when I saw people who were slithering like snakes. They really were. I mean, th there was people who were demon-possessed. The only thing that scared me in India was the food. I mean, I was, <laughs> I ate the chicken. They told me not to, but <laughs> it's one of those things. I never felt any kind of, you know, fear. Now, going across the borders to Nepal or getting into India has become increasingly challenging because they have a real crackdown on Christianity. So, you know, we're going there with Bibles, with books that, that is, that's not, you know, uh, legal and so at Nepal, you know, they, they were trying to ask what we're doing. And I just told them I was selling life insurance. I'm a salesman. That's what I said. And I, I got through fine with books and Bibles and didn't worry anything about it. But I felt like that fasting protected me on the journey. See, fasting protects you sometimes from bad decisions, sometimes from 
self-inflicted wounds. Uh, fasting can give you wisdom and help you. But, you know, fasting also protects you from deception, which is like so rampant in the world that we're living in today. Because here we got a sorcerer who's trying to influence the governor. And today's sorcerers are just trying to indoctrinate your children to try to figure out if they're boys or girls, right? And it's like, I mean, I mean I heard, my friend at senior high, he told me that they're asking students what gender they want to identify as now. And listen, that is a, that is a terrible, demonic thought. And if you are not full of the Holy Spirit where you have a witness and unction on the inside of you so you can discern truth, you might get caught up in the madness of society. That's why fasting is so important because it helps you know truth in situations. So you don't get caught up in some kind of crazy doctrine when people come knocking on your door from different religions that they don't seduce you into following them. Fasting helps your spirit have truth and understand what to do. It just helps clarify things. Now, you might be in a battle. You, you might be sitting there going, man, I'm in a battle. I don't know what to do. I don't know how am I going to get out of this battle. I need some protection. Give yourself some time to fast. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do. Watch how work all things out for good. No weapon formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus. And, and fasting is so powerful that way. That's what Paul experienced. Now, I want to highlight primary reason number four here. And I'm in verse number nine. It tells us that Saul... Who, but now he's called Paul. You know, God, God called him and renewed him and changed, transformed him. He's got a new name here. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I like that. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at him. What that means is that boldness came upon the man. I mean, he felt God's Spirit. He feels boldness rising up in him. And I like what he says right here. He says, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? I mean, he's, he's loaded. And now he says, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And he said, you'll be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately it says, a dark mist fell upon him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. That is some serious spiritual authority. That's like Jesus walking into the temple in Jerusalem and overturning the tables. He's walking in an otherworldly level of authority. And it says, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Let me give you the fourth reason that fasting is so effective. And that has to do with spiritual authority. There's something about fasting that just increases your level of authority. You know, fasting causes the spiritual gifting that's in you to explode, to just increase to higher levels. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. He's fasting 40 days in the wilderness. Luke's gospel says in verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. That after fasting, he came with power and with authority. In fact, Luke 4 and verse 32 says that his word was with authority. In other words, they couldn't fight him. They couldn't stop. They just listened. And they were, the Pharisees, anyone who listened, was astonished at his authority, at his teaching. He had greater authority. You know, the, something else Jesus said is in Matthew 28, verse 18. This is the Great Commission. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew 20, 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. The next verse says, go, therefore. In other words, 
He's authorized. All authority Jesus has given to his, to his church. So you can, you, you can always exercise the authority that God has given you in Jesus' name. It's his authority, not your authority. You, we're, just, we're just soldiers with his authority. But he said it's in heaven and earth. And what I've discovered about fasting is fasting is one of those ways that increases that authority. Fasting takes it to a whole different level. So you, can, you have authority, but if you want to increase it, if you want to stay stronger in the things of God, fasting is a way to do that. He said all authority is given in heaven and earth. Now, when you talk about heaven and earth, in heaven, I think what we're talking about here is the spiritual realm so that you know how to deal with demonic opposition because that's what's happening to Paul. He's basically binding and loosing over this man. He said, this spirit is not going to operate in my presence. That, that's what he's doing. He's taking authority over a spirit. Now you think, well, not your promise, the sorcerer was Paul's problem. But as I've told you many times, people are not the problem. People are not your problem. The problem is the devil. People are not your enemies. And so we have to be gracious with people and respectful to people who are politicians and government authorities, but ruthless with spirits. You got to know how to take authority over a devil. You got to know how to take authority over a spirit that might be operating in a situation. And listen, that's what I do in my prayer time. If, if I feel like there might be a demonic opposition or a resistance, I will spend time praying and just declaring, no weapon formed against me will prosper, and this is not going to manifest in my presence. And wherever I go, I'm going to have peace with people. And as much as depends upon me, I'm going to have peace with all men. <coughs> that's what the scripture says. So in, in public, in, in person, I love to be gracious to people. But when you're dealing with spirits, you have to use your authority and know how to pray in the name of Jesus. How to use your authority. Fasting is one of those ways that gives you, it's like you, you become more in touch with the spirit realm. So you know how to use your authority and say, no, no, I'm not going to put up with that. Now, he said you've been given authority in heaven and on the earth. So when we talk about authority on the earth, let me tell you one of the ways that might manifest is when you have a little self-control and discipline so you don't have to be beholden to food. Man, I found that if I am not, you know, obsessed with food, even though I might feel like it, I might want it, and I say no to that and I stay on a fast, that's how I get stronger as a person. I mean... It's incredible to me. Every time I fast, I might get a different craving for something. Like I heard one guy say, he, he dreamed that he was at Pizza Hut eating a, per, a personal pan pizza. Yeah, but he said he woke up and half his pillow was gone. <laughs> it is funny though when you fast. Sometimes you get different cravings. I, I mean, it's like Elizabeth being pregnant. She really did ask me to get pickles and ice creams one time. <laughs> yeah, there's something about that. Your appetite being under control, that gives you authority in your own life. Think about how your words will run wild. And if you have no self-control, it can lead to all kinds of problems. And authority is when you say, no, I'm just not going to engage in an argument or conversation or be derogatory or criticize. I, I, I can just step away. That's called authority. That's called, I don't have to put up with that. That is a level of discipline that will help you grow in the things of God. Authority is often manifested through wisdom. 
and wise decision making. So you, when you've got authority, you know I don't have to make a poor decision. I can keep a budget and stick to it. I don't have to overindulge myself in certain things. I know which relationships to draw from and which relationships I might need to step back from. I know how to lead people at a job. I know where they fit and their skill sets. I mean, this is how authority works. And authority is often manifest, you know, when you hear someone with authority, what, what you, it strikes you is like they have an air of leadership. You'll listen to them. I have found that there are certain men I'll listen to because they speak with authority and it resonates within me. And I think, man, I, I, I like what they say. I want to repeat that. I want to get that in my life. And, and I've just noticed that, whether it's you know, at, a, at a job or, or parenting children you know, or, or being a pastor. If, if, if some truth is being said and it resonates, people will grab hold of that and they can grow. That's authority in action. That, that, that's how it's manifest. Now, these are just the reasons for fasting. I mean, there's a lot of other practical sides to it. Um, Not everybody's able to fast, you know, because of various health reasons. But if you can fast, you should. And there's another story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27, when Paul was in need of direction. And actually what Paul did is he found himself on a forced fast. Because in Acts 13, he's on his way uh, to the first missionary journey. In Acts 27... God had called him, you remember, to go to Rome. And he's on a boat, and apparently the guys leading the boat hadn't done any fasting because they made a bad decision to go out in the middle of winter. And they ended up on the storm, and there was, you know, trouble. And they had to, they fasted, probably because they were seasick or they had thrown the food out. It was a forced fast. But after that fast, an angel of the Lord appeared before Paul, and he said, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. And I, I just noticed that that Paul was in need of direction. He was in need of protection. And when they were on that boat after that time, it says that they broke bread. They had communion. Uh, that fasting was accompanied with a time of communion. Now, this morning, we're going to partake of communion. And we've got the cups. I know you don't like the taste of these cups, but these are the ones we have so we don't spread germs right now. But we're going to take a fast. And we're going to take a, a communion here. And I want to just kind of set the scene for our fast. I think this morning, there's people at church here who are in need of direction. You don't know what to do about situations you're faced with. You've got, you've got problems and challenges at, at work or you, with your family or with your money. And, and, and you're, you're saying, God, I, I need some help. I need to know what to do in a situation. Or, or maybe you're in a battle and you just realize, hey, I need some protection. Or maybe this morning you realize, it is time for me to seek the Lord. Maybe you ought to be like the sons of Issachar and discern the times and realize this is a moment. So I'd like you to stand up with us this morning. Now, I know it's challenging to open these two cups. So try to stay in the spirit and open up your cup. And let's just seek the Lord together and ask God how he could provide direction for you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see t'was grace that taught my heart to see and grace my feet 
I just was thinking this morning about the will of the Lord and how I want it to be accomplished and done in my life. And probably you feel that way. And I'm grateful for this cup because it, it reminds me. It reminds me of God's faithfulness and his ability to see you through things, to direct you and protect you. Let's partake of this meal. Father, we thank you for the bread, which represents the broken body of Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice, Lord. Let's partake of the bread. And now for this cup, thank you for the blood of Jesus that this cup represents, which was shed for our salvation. We are grateful and we are drinking a covenant meal, believing God that you are going to fulfill your will. You're going to lead us and guide us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Just take a moment and say, Lord, I thank you. Just say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want direction in my life about what the next steps are for me. I want to know where you want me to work, what you want me to do, how you want me to raise my children. And Father, I pray for the Spirit of God to reveal to each and every person certain details that they might have been lacking, certain ideas or things they didn't know, to give them a sense of confidence, reassurance, peace, and direction about what the future holds, how you're going to see them through things. Walk with them by the hand. Open up doors of favor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Man, I feel the peace of God. I feel the Lord has presence here with us this morning. And I know for me, I am going into this week uh, very...
targeted, very specific, and looking forward to being alone with him. And I would just want to encourage you to come down with us and, and, and pray Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. If you're not fasting, you can come pray with us. We'd love to have you. I want to conclude this morning with Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, amen. Man, I feel his peace. If you want prayer this morning, these altars are open and we'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, we'll catch you next Sunday or else we'll catch you Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday down here as we pray. We love you very much. Amen.